Hey everyone, it's Tom Karadza, and on this episode of the Your Life, Your Term show, I'm chatting with Dahlia Platt, who has a great story, born in Colombia, went to school in Miami, started putting together some education on Bitcoin for a bunch of people in El Salvador, and has now become one of the Bitcoin advisors at the Bitcoin Advisor. So the reason I wanted to chat with her, if you're not familiar, the reason that I keep talking about this Bitcoin thing is it's a perfect marriage to me with real estate. The Compound annual growth rates just were stunning. Um, I'm looking at a chart here that's showing the four-year and five-year compound annual growth rates of Bitcoin, and the four years, 55%. So four years ago, if you bought Bitcoin, the compound annual growth rate of this thing is 55%. That's even with the highs and the lows, because we all know it kind of is a volatile thing when you're looking at the price on a linear chart. And the five-year is 62%. So I just want to repeat. The compound annual growth rate over six years of this thing is, uh, or five years, sorry, is 62% compared to 13% for the S&P 500. And the four years, 55% compared to 10% for the S&P 500. So this thing is just a remarkable new digital commodity, digital asset, however you want to describe it. It's worth learning about, in my opinion. And that's why we're bringing Dahlia on here just to get someone else's view. Like, why is she interested in it? Why is she going down this rabbit hole? So that's what we're doing on this particular podcast. And if you are listening to this and you want to dive into the world that we are doing here at Rockstar with the Rockstar Inner Circle, where we talk about subjects like this. And of course, we deal with real estate investors in Ontario right around the Golden Horseshoe. And the reason that we like real estate so much is the leverage that we get on real estate. And real estate, if you buy a piece of property, you put 20% down. And historically, in this area, in the Toronto area at least, they go up about 7% a year on average, which I know is a dangerous number to use, but on average, it's 7%. If you look at that, that's a 35% return on your number. So real estate really has a nice return. It allows you to outpace the M2 debasement that's going on in this country. So these subjects are near and dear to our heart. If you want to check out what we're doing with real estate investors in this area and the Rockstar Inner Circle membership, you can visit rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash member. That's rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash member. That's enough with this intro. Let's get on with the show. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. I am with Dahlia Platt. And um, Dahlia, we crossed paths because I think I think it was like a mutual friend. Uh, I think it was Greg Foss who somehow connected us through email. And uh, Greg Foss can have a powerful voice. And I think he said, Tom, you better speak to Dahlia. And then that was enough for me. He said that. And I thought, oh, my gosh, who is this person? I better I better speak to Dahlia. So <laughs> here we are. So Dahlia, thank, welcome to the Your Life, Your Terms podcast. Thank you for doing this. And um, I want to kind of dive in with your, your story. So you, we're going to talk about Bitcoin here and what drew you to this because your background, like none of our backgrounds really started with Bitcoin, but, um, I'd like to begin with, how did you get to your seat right now? Like, what is this journey? You went, you got an MBA at the, in Miami, at the university of Miami. So your background is, I would call it traditional finance. And now you're all in on Bitcoin. Maybe you could start with, you know, what made you have this, I don't know if it's a career change or this shift to focusing your time and efforts on Bitcoin. What was the draw to you? Why is this something important to you? Can, can we start there? 
Absolutely. A hundred percent. And I have to tell you that because of Greg Foss, my life changed forever. Okay. So I am forever grateful because he's the one that that connected me with Mi Primer Bitcoin, who that's the company that I worked for and like learned so much and have done like I, I actually feel proud of the work that was done there. And then he introduced me also to Looking Glass with education, which is also the company that I'm working for and through which I'm working with the Bitcoin advisor. So it's it's like a new world to me because of Greg Foss. And it's just, it was funny because um, I, okay, so going back to why, I studied industrial engineering and I was an engineer in Colombia. And then Colombia's situation at that moment was horrendous it was like the pablo escobar times got it so there was a there was kidnappings bombs um so i was very i was very lucky that i had the opportunity to just leave i there was one day that like a bomb where i was living in bogota a bomb exploded and my entire windows of my um of my apartment exploded i was alone and that's just like one tiny thing besides the fear of living there with my parents. It's it, that's another whole story. Um, so I ended up, uh, I said, I can't live here anymore. I, I really like can't stand this. And I was lucky enough that my parents had an, a place in Miami. And I said, you know what? The easiest place to go, Miami. So I just applied to the Miami to the MBA. And I ended up meeting my husband. That's another story. But that's how I ended up here in the States. Now, when I got married, I could not work as an engineer because I didn't have a visa. And I was going crazy. I work, I live in a place where there's so much materialism and that's so not me. And I couldn't stand not working, not doing anything. So I started tutoring math and physics. And that, that led me to like career of 20 some years. I, so I started tutoring. Then I was offered a job at a college, like at a state college. Then, uh, then I started tutoring again. Then I started teaching at a school here. That was my life. But my life was at least eight hours of tutoring every single day. So I, and I, and I loved it. I really loved making an impact um, and it was amazing. Uh, it started becoming less amazing as I aged. And then like, it, it just starts becoming a little bit too repetitive. And I was just really getting bored. And then the pandemic hit, and it's like everybody else whose journey really started in the pandemic. I said, I'm going to give myself a year. I'm, do, I'm not knowing what I'm doing, but I have to change. I was going crazy. I am going to change what I do. And that's how I started uh, listening to podcast. To pod, well, I started supposedly investing my own money, which did not go well at that moment. And then I started like diving into Bitcoin a little bit. And I listened to a podcast uh, that Greg Foss had I had I have no idea. Like I did not know who he is. No idea. <laughs> I was just starting into Bitcoin. So okay, Dahlia, don't lose your. I don't. I don't want you to lose your train of thought. But this is really interesting to me because you probably don't know this. But Greg, Fo we were Greg Foss's first podcast. 
We he lives uh-huh. not too far from our office right here. And he was on so Twitter. So maybe he, it was your podcast. Yeah, no, well, who knows? Maybe. But but uh, he had like 2,000 Twitter followers. And he was on Twitter and he was talking about bonds and convexity yeah. and all these yeah. concepts yeah. that sounded super smart to me. And I and uh, and then he mentioned Bitcoin. And I, I kind of thought, who is this guy? Like, I feel like I need to talk to this guy. I don't know why. And at the time, he still used to say where he lived in Canada. And that's where we are on his Twitter profile. So I just DM'd him and said, hey, I don't, you don't know us. Like our office isn't far from where I think you probably live. Would you come in and do a podcast? And by then we were already down the Bitcoin rabbit hole. Like we were already in it. I just had not heard his angle on why it was interesting. And he came in with cargo shorts, flip-flops, cargo shorts, a t-shirt. I think he had a baseball hat, maybe a baseball hat. I think a baseball And he just started banging the table. And he was, you know, just screaming about like why everyone needs to know this. And I felt like we had to tell him, hey, Greg, like we are, we're on your side. You know, like, I don't know why you're banging the table right now, but he had a huge impact. Yeah. Yeah. He had a huge impact. So to hear you say you heard Greg Foss, it's like, what a small world. Because, you know, all and of this us was think- probably at the same time, because it was like in 2020, like at the, wow. when, yeah, yeah. Yeah. when so the pandemic, cool. so maybe it was your Who knows? podcast Who knows? that Who led knows? me through this entire new change of, yeah. of path and career. So uh, he was talking, he spoke about all those things, the convexity yeah. and the bonds. And the, I'm like, I study finance and I understand nothing of what he's saying, zero. So, but he also spoke about education, like educating uh, people on Bitcoin. And I don't know, he said something about his grandparents being immigrants. Some some of the things that he said, like resonated with me. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to write to this guy. He said he has a... Um, a learning platform for Bitcoin. I'm like, I'm just going to write. I had no idea why I was writing. Truthfully, I had no idea why I was writing to him. I wrote to him and I get an immediate response. So he connected me because of that. He connected me with the people that started me Primer Bitcoin, which was just starting. And then the people in Looking Glass. And then my life became me primer Bitcoin in El Salvador for two years. I all I did 24 hours a day was write curriculum on Bitcoin that I knew nothing about. Immediately, initially I knew nothing. Like I, I was I was put into a place that I should not have been put in. And I just You were the right person learned. for the place though. You were and that's how you learn by teaching other people. So this was like a perfect thing. Did you end up with that word? Did you go to El Salvador to teach that curriculum? Many okay. So the I created the curriculum. I, I am the one that wrote the curriculum like every single time. And I was dying for because I'm here in Florida. It was so hard for me to like tell the teachers how I wanted it to be taught. Because with with my teaching career, I always thought that teaching has to be engaging, interactive. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not a traditional uh, human being at all. So with the curriculum I designed for every single chapter, like little activities that the teachers could, um, could do in class. So I tried my best to speak on those four, like on those rectangles and explain to them the, the activities, but it doesn't work like that. But 
Um, so they ended up teaching the curriculum. We, I spoke to the teachers many, multiple, many, multiple times, and I went to El Salvador three times. And it, it was very, it was very rewarding because at the end, like I ended up, um, up in like the ministry of education contacted us and they wanted to create a curriculum that, that was like based on our curriculum. So I was the one that edit, like I was the one that really helped them with things. Like, for example, in their curriculum, they said the first sentence initially had said, Bitcoin is a new decentralized, a new centralized currency. Like, that's what they said, the new centralized currency. I'm like, oh my God, I think we need help here. And by that time, I knew a little bit more. So I helped that and that, that curriculum is now being taught in every school in El Salvador, which is amazing. Like that's, that's so wild, Dalia. Way to go! Yeah, that must feel very rewarding. Holy smokes! Congratulations on that. That is so huge. Way to go! Wow. Yeah. Sometimes I feel it was nothing. Sometimes I say, okay, it was a little bit of something. It was nothing. a little bit oh. of a lot. It was a little bit of a lot. <laughs> the the <laughs> generational impact on that education going to those children. You, none of us are going to know you know, the fruits of your labor through those children who are then going to have children and teach their children, like the the course correction in monetary kind of evolution on, the, on you know, I know I'm going to sound hyperbolic here, but like on the planet is started with a little seed and you planted that little seed there. So, uh, wow, really cool. Yeah, that's pretty inspiring. Well, keep going. I've thrown you off. I've thrown you off now. Keep going. Keep, so you did this with El Salvador. No, 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 no. It was an amazing journey. Yeah. And in the meantime, I realized like how horrible the current fiat system, like in that whole journey, our fiat system is a disaster. And the wise, I didn't understand money. I didn't understand inflation. Every day I would like spend hours yeah. trying to figure this out. And I couldn't, I'm like, I'm, I, th I think I was smart, but I really am not. And it, in blockchain and it just didn't, it didn't resonate with me. And I'm writing this curriculum and I'm like, I have no idea what I'm writing. So at the beginning there was help that like little by little improved. But I think that where I ended it, I, I still have learned from that moment on. And I think it was not very applicable to businesses, to industries, mm. to, it was just, a, um, it was a lot. It, definitely the first four chapters were about our current system, what's wrong with money and uh, how we can fix it. Why Bitcoin is a, like, why Bitcoin is a solution. So you, you did learn a lot about like, you, sure. I, I yes. hope people's eyes just opened up. Um, but there was not enough about custody, which I do right now. And there was uh, just more applicable things. And, and um, the reason why initially, like I thought Greg's podcast, I don't know how it inspired me. Like when I started understanding Bitcoin, I, I grew in Colombia, which was a very, very poor country. And I was just born lucky. And I've always thought if there was more education, people could just do better things get somewhere better, like improve their life. And like when I started understanding the lightning network, a little bit of the lightning network, I'm like, oh my God, these underbanked people or unbanked people, 
could have such a simpler life. They don't have to, they won't have to travel in three different buses to go pay their bills. They won't have, because they really have no money. So they, they want electricity. They have to spend an entire day just to go to the electric uh, company to pay their bills. Like this, this is ridiculous. Like, and they, and besides they have their money in their hands and they're risking being robbed because Colombia was not secure. I'm like, okay, this, this has something that could benefit everybody. And um, I don't know why I was uh, going there, but no, that, no, but I, that, that point was... is so huge. And I think most people in North America don't get it. Uh, my aunt, she's now passed away, but had a huge impact on my life. She lived in a country called Croatia and I would go there every summer um, as a kid. And my father was, it would explain to me that in the, I guess it would be the late 1970s and 19 early 1980s, he would send money to her in Croatia and to his parents. So my grandparents, she would then walk and I know the bank exactly that she would go to. So if she would walk, I guess it would take like, it's a whole day to walk to this bank and walk back. Um, and she would walk to the bank and he said he would say, be able to save up $500 at a time, which was an absolutely massive amount of money for my father to then send back home. And, uh, he would then pay a bank fee here in Canada to send the wire. And then what makes it way worse, isn't that bank fee is that when it was there, the bank there would then charge some fee that they would just pull out of the sky. Like there was no, like, it's not like in Canada where there's these documented fees. It was just like today's fee is $50 Canadian in the equivalent currency there, which was the dinar at the time. And then the guys at the bank would take their fee. So then she would lose money to just the workers there. So if my dad was sending 500, he figured out that she was getting in between 350 and 400. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, huge, wow. right? Huge. Just think of all the money he worked. He had to work. The, the, he had to pay taxes on the money. He paid a fee to send the money. Then there, there's a bank fee that just changes on the whim of whoever's running the bank. Then there's the unofficial, we're taking this money from you. And my aunt would um, see the people who took the money having like a pretty extravagant lunch in the little town with her money. And she of would course. walk. And, she, and, and that she, still and happens. It's home. not like it's... It's yeah, not and I know like it still, ha it right still happens. With remittances, like, like these countries, El Salvador, for example, has benefited so much from exactly what you're pointing out because these, these companies, Western Union, like in order to take any money from the U.S. to them, to a family member, it's exactly how you say. And besides the fact that they... It, I don't think it's that amount of uh, percent difference anymore. Like there's a a better um, sure a yeah. better yeah. I'm talking huge It's a numbers. little bit cheaper. Yeah, yes, yes. Exactly. It's a <laughs> little bit cheaper, but there's a lot more people. But uh, besides that, it takes forever because until the money gets handed to them, it's like you have to follow the regulations and you have to go through a process, and it could be three days, five days, and People might need the money now. Mm. And why does a bank have the, the right to keep your money for that amount? And it's not really like, it's not even money, but yes. Like why? 
Yeah, it's, it's like the modern like, banking system has put there. They've put themselves in what I would call the toll booth position, whereas we all have to go through that toll booth and pay the toll in or out, in or out. You're always paying this toll. And really, the money in and of itself shouldn't have to go through a toll booth to be usable. We just happen to have a form of money that requires these toll booths, whereas like Bitcoin presents something else. So I guess your background with Colombia then and seeing what people, you know, how people deal with money there, I guess then Bitcoin had a real meaning for you that was maybe deeper than a, a lot of people would in Canada or, or the US. Can you talk, before we switch and, and continue going on this path, you, we before we started recording, you alluded to real estate a little bit in Colombia. Uh, was there uh, a connection yes, there? Can you talk about that? Yeah. It, it's actually, okay, so yeah, you just reminded me. I'll, I'll give you a scenario in which, well, maybe, maybe this is not necessary not necessarily for like the most underbanked people, but this happened to my dad in Colombia. Uh, he used to own a business and he worked really hard all his life. And with that, with the revenues of the business, he bought an asset, like a, a it was a farm that he, we used to go to. And it was like very, very, very like legal. Everything was fine about it. He really worked hard for it. Um, but as time went on with his business, uh, the situation in Colombia got horrible and there was a lot of threats to be like threats in many. There was a union in that business. There was threats. So he decided to take a step back and to hire a manager that would have control of absolutely everything, like the finances, everything. He, he trusted that person. Long story short, that person sold our farm and escaped and left and there's like there was one day we went to farm and there was other people there like there was and we're like what and they showed us papers we own the farm he had all the rights to so you're talking about real estate and like the like the amount of change that that could bring like a multi-sig wallet that could have prevented that like uh, I don't know, like a way to to tokenize that that asset. There's so many possibilities. Like I haven't like walked through them, but just if my dad had had a multi-sig wallet in order to make that transaction happen, two out of three keys, that wouldn't have happened. And and we the farm st still would have been us ours. But but situations like that, like. Uh, um, it's so can just, you, it's can me. you explain and can you, for people who don't know what a multi-sig wallet is, can you just walk them through that? Like why, why did that resonate with, with you? What is that? Okay. Of course. So again, this is something that is very new to me. So multi-sig just means instead of you, because the first thing that people really should understand is to take their Bitcoin off exchanges. So even before I go into multi-sig, I beg, and I'm sure you've said it in your podcast a million times, please take Bitcoin off exchanges. I've learned the hard way, very hard way with Celsius. And oh, I don't like I I don't want that to happen. I've le learned every lesson the hard way, but I've learned and I and I wanna teach, like I wanna teach people about what's happening, how they can be scammed, and please don't put yourself in that situation. Um, so the first thing is please take your 
Bitcoin of exchanges if you don't know how to get uh, hard wallet, a cold wallet. There's millions of like we offer a service and just walking people through getting their Bitcoin off exchanges. We just want we I can do that like that can be free. I don't care. I just want people to be safe first because that affects all of us. If people start getting scammed, then there's more there's more false like rumors and false news and things like that. So people have to be educated. So um so that's the first thing. But once you have your Bitcoin in your cold wallet, once you have the keys to your Bitcoin, it becomes for like if you start accumulating a little bit of, of wealth that actually is significant, it starts getting very stressful to have it yourself because you have no idea. Like I was very lucky that one of my sons understood Bitcoin. So I, the, at the beginning, I said, please know the keys are here. This is how you access them. And and every time I went on a trip, there's the keys. And I didn't even have them in separate locations. But then I realized the house can burn down. Uh, I don't really, like so many things can happen that the Bitcoin is completely lost. And my sons won't benefit from that. So when I started understanding multi-sig wallets is like, imagine what, how I think of it is imagine you having a safe at home with the Bitcoin, but the safe has three keys and it can be have more than three keys. The safe has three keys and it requires two of the three keys to be opened. So if you, if you have those keys distributed among, among different people in the family, for example, then I die, then my son and my husband have the other two keys, they can access the Bitcoin. Uh, and so that's, to me, it's where where custody is headed with multi-sig wallets because there's two out of four for a business. So I was talking about Colombia mm -hmm. for a business like exactly my dad's. He has, like you have a lot of money under management, but you never know what people are going to do with that money if they have full control over the business's money. So now it becomes a, uh, a way in which there's more control, less risk, because if two people, if my dad would have had a key and this guy would have had a key and I don't know, somebody else that he trusts would have had a key, then that would not have happened. He could not have, he could not have unlocked that money. Uh, by himself, like everything has to be more of a collaborative effort. Um, so, so it makes so much sense to me in in that respect. So yeah, so that's why you're you were saying with your dad's property, if there was a multi-signature type option, nobody could have changed title to the property without your dad being involved if he held one of the keys or two out of three parties. So if you have good property like that farm was to your family, and today's good property in our examples is perhaps this digital property that we're calling Bitcoin, that if you accumulate whatever is a significant amount to you and your family, Introducing a multi-signature option just is makes you feel safe and good because so, so two th two out of three people have to sign any transaction to have the Bitcoin be sent somewhere else. Um, Correct. Correct. Yeah. And so, then, 
No, no. And I know, and I'm just saying, I think that's a pretty new concept for most people. There's going to be some people listening to this are very familiar with it, but for most people, I don't even think they may have heard this concept before. So is this something that you're seeing with different wallets that you can use in Bitcoin? Is it getting a little easier? Are more people going down this path from what you're seeing? I feel like we're pretty so, early with the multi-signature solutions, but I guess if you've been in the space, you've probably already seen some development and evolution here. Yes, so absolutely. So then it goes a little bit beyond multi-sig. So yes, mm -hmm. to answer your first question, it's becoming a little, for example, wallets such as uh, Nunch allows you to very easily create a two out of four custody solution. Uh, you can do two out of three and it's it's actually very intuitive. It's a very intuitive- Which wallet, sorry, which wallet uh, was that? What was the name of that? Nunchuck. Oh, the Numchuck. Yeah, yeah, Numchuck. Yeah, Numchuck yeah, yeah. wallet. Yeah. yeah. And then what I ended up working in right now that makes even more sense than multi-custody because with multi-custody, you still have the risk of it's maybe you have all three keys and maybe something happens to the house or maybe, I don't know, you still have that point of failure risk where, where you're holding all the like everything about those assets depending on how it's being stored so i started um, working i'm very lucky to have started to have entered into this new world of collaborative custody and what i what they do because i just started so what they do is it's a company based off australia that used to manage assets for many, many years. Their, their reputation is phenomenal. So they, if a client goes to them, that company, the Bitcoin advisor would hold a key, the client holds a key, and then, a for example, the third key could be held by a wallet provider, a multi-sig wallet provider like Nunchuck. So in order to make any transaction, then, two out of the three, like somebody points a gun in your head, you can't do anything about it. Like you cannot literally send money from here to here. So we've worked like right now, we're working with Unchained Capital, which is a company based in the US and they provide that. So what happens is that instead of having single custody, what you do is you, you create a vault you create as many vaults as you want with Unchained Capital because they're the provider. So Unchained, has a key. Unchained can have a key, Bitcoin provider has a key, and the client has a key. And so then there's questions like, what about collusion? What about if Unchained and the Bitcoin advisor were to collude and like sign two transactions? It's not possible because the way this is set up, the first thing is, only the client can initiate a transaction, only the client. So none of them can, can start a transaction. And the second thing is jurisdictionally, one place is in Australia, one place is in the States, and the client can be anywhere in the world. So if for some reason there is some change of laws, like immediate change of law in any jurisdiction, this also um, low, like eliminates the risk mm -hmm. of 
Oh, yeah, I never thought about that. I never thought about that. You're spreading out the jurisdiction jurisdictional risk across countries or nation states. Hmm. Correct. And then, like to add to that, uh, the the service allows you to be able to plan for the future. So with like with a with a trust with an estate plan in reality. So they help you go through an estate plan where there's contingency. And and it's an entire and it's everything is the client's decision. Like I choose who's going to who's going to custody, who's going to be the multi custody provider, who is going to be the person that holds my trust. Is it my family? Is it a lawyer? Is it? But we go through the whole process of making sure that Bitcoin is safe for future generations. Yeah, I was going to ask that about, uh, I was going to ask that because if it's two out of three, but it's always the client who initiates it, if something was to happen to you, I guess there needs to be a state planning in place where some authority is given to someone in your family to initiate the the transaction. Wow. So you would need like the death certificate of the person you would need. Yeah, Yeah. like Like a a regular documentation. Uh-huh. Yes. Okay. So there's a lot, there's so many redundancies in place mm-hmm. um, that it really makes it literally impossible for your Bitcoin to be stolen. And the other thing is that with Bitcoin's technology improving, like there's going, I, I don't believe this exists yet, but there's going to be the possibility of you having a key that, for example, your grandchildren have and that he only unlocks the bitcoin in 2040 or in 2060 i, wow. I don't know yeah, yeah, yeah. i've so, heard some people talking so about that, this yeah, yeah i got it yes so the possibilities of like you don't want your children to you die and like they spend the whole thing so you want you want to take care of them and there's there's so many new possibilities. And you never thought about that. If you can programmatically have, yeah, if you can have some programmatic, like a key that you can give to somebody and say, hey, listen, hold on to this and you can't do anything with it, but programmatically it automatically unlocks at a certain block. Then, um, you know, which is a certain time in the future. It's a nice way to kind of build a trust without really needing any judicial systems of a certain nation. Um, That's pretty wild. That is pretty wild. It's amazing. It's amazing. So I'm thrilled to be learning like this. Yeah. And it's funny because we're all learning at the same time. Like you're saying you're new to this, but anyone listening, when Dahlia says she's new to this, it's because everybody's pretty much new to this. So it's not like there's like a history here. So are you help? So then I'm curious with, with BTC advisors, this Mm -hmm. is you, you now are engaging with clients who you walk through this process. Like people are doing this. Correct. So there's, there's really two things I'm doing. Like, okay. I think I mentioned the fact that I work for Looking Glass Education. That's right. And Sorry, I would forgotten. Yes. So that, no, no, no. It's just, so Looking Glass Education is just an educational platform mm-hmm. where there's free courses for everybody. There's a course on a fundamentals course, which takes, which it's amazing. Like I had nothing to do with the writing up. So I cannot claim any of the content in Looking Glass, but it's amazing. There's deep dives. Actually, Greg Foss is part owner of that company. Um, So anyway, with that company, the first thing we want is, like I said, 
self-custody. Mm-hmm. So if somebody has no clue, because we've all had no clue how to, how to take that step, they can call us, they can make an appointment with us with Looking Glass, and we can walk them through the process of how to go from exchange to self-custody. They need help in choosing what wallet is best for them. We'll help them. They need help. We'll then like, we'll do simulations with them and then tell them like to erase everything, like everything that we did uh, for their security purposes and start it again. And then we give them a video that will walk them through the steps of video of of the conversation that we had and how we did it. Yeah. So then they can have that and listen to it a million times. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a service we provide called um, called Coddle. Um, oh, cool. Cold, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. And so th- that's one thing. And then with the Bitcoin advisor, I've become an advisor to the Bitcoin advisor. So if people are ready to go to collaborative custody, then like that's what we do. That's uh, that's exactly what we do. Go step by step, hand in hand with um, a client that wants any of those services. Um, and then so, do you help them so through it, that service? Do you help them also buy Bitcoin if they wanted Bitcoin or no, they, they go somewhere else to buy the Bitcoin? They can. Okay. So it's their choice again. So okay. it depends on where the, it has nothing to do with us. We don't want any money in the, in the purchase of the Bitcoin, we don't, we don't want, we don't want to profit from any of that. Mm. So let's say that there's a completely new client that has never bought Bitcoin before, but wants Bitcoin and a significant amount of Bitcoin start, starts to believe in Bitcoin. You go down the rabbit hole. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Exactly. So what we do is we take that, like they, they, we take what exchange do you want to buy your in? Do you want to do person to person? What, how do you want to convert your fiat to Bitcoin? Then we go through the process. Once you convert your fiat to Bitcoin in either an exchange or in a, in a wallet of your own, then we transfer either some of it or all of it. Like if it's in an exchange, we definitely ask them to transfer everything to a cold wallet. So it's their Bitcoin. So oh, got it. Okay. So you really are acting that, as advisors through this process to them. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Correct. And that like those things are like, we don't charge for initial consultations. We don't charge if people like really want little, little things that were so hard for you and I to learn. And it's just that step is so difficult. Like you're It's so scary. The first time you transfer, like I didn't have anyone to help me transfer from an exchange to my own hardware wallet. And then when you do that the first time, you just go through this like panic of, you know, cause there's a few minutes there where you're like, I don't know if this worked or what's it's happening. Not here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, there's somebody, there's somebody in our office who they bought a, you know, a, a decent amount of Bitcoin and <laughs> they set up their hardware wallet and you know, I told them, I'm like, do not do anything more before I'm like right next to you. Like, just make sure, like, I just want you to check a few things. And they just transferred the entire amount they purchased, um, 
you know, while I was getting a coffee and my jaw dropped and I guess they saw the look on my face and they're like, oh no, what did I do? And for whatever reason, it did take some time, I guess, for the exchange. We didn't know the exchanges sometimes will hold requests. So the exchange right. didn't put through the request, but the balance on the exchange went to zero. So he was seeing zero and then nothing was coming up on his new hardware wallet to, to would indicate that the Bitcoin was under his control now in this new location. So there was this moment where we were just completely freaking out. And then we had to reach out to the exchange and we actually, we got word that like, oh, they queued them up and don't worry, it'll be released soon. And- uh, But it, but that's, it, that's part of it, it's yes. centralized. The exchange has the ability to release it whenever they want. And and this was so early on. I, I came to know some of these people at this particular exchange that I don't want to name. And it was literally a person on their laptop that was going around, like releasing the transactions and stuff. And I, and I was like, oh my gosh, like, you know, this is just, That's, this is the wild west right now. This is insane. <laughs> but anyway, it all worked out. The bottom line in that story is that all, it all worked out. Good, but, uh, good. And anyway. the person is holding their keys and knows the importance of yeah. So it is, yeah. And there is a certain comfort once you start to hold your 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 own keys like that, and you understand that you are in control. And then if you introduce multi signature into it, there's kind of even another another layer. But because uh, the reason this is so important to you, and I don't want to, uh, you know, I don't want to like rehash some like history that maybe wasn't fun to go through. But can you describe to everyone like what happened with Celsius or another example like? What, why do you tell people it's so important, like get off exchange? Cause that's not normal for people. It's very normal for people to buy in Canada. We have the equivalent of maybe your 401k in the U S would be our RRSP. We have something called an RRSP, very similar kind of product. So people will buy Bitcoin. We've had an ETF up here for uh, some time before it, it launched in the U S. So people are very used to like buying things and keeping them in their financial institutions. Can you just share, like, why why do you keep repeating that? Apps, a hundred percent. So, in, like, initially, no, I was already, like, somewhat uh, knowledgeable with Bitcoin, but there's there was companies that would custody your Bitcoin and, in return, give you an interest just for, it's like a, like a regular bank. You just got an interest for keeping your Bitcoin there. So at that moment, there was Celsius, for example, was offering ridiculous interest rates for custody. I forget, were they? Okay, I never went, I never really checked them out. So what were the interest rates? For Bitcoin, it wasn't that much, but it was about 5% at that moment. Okay, well, at the time, interest rates were like 0.5, so it was huge. Yeah, yeah, got it. But other cryptos, it was 20%, 15%, like the UST with Luna, they were offering 20%. I remember that Uh, one because one night I sat down and I'm like, okay, am I... Am I just silly? Like, do I just not understand? Like, I don't understand how they can be offering this interest rate. And I I never could figure it out. And I'm the type of person, unless it makes sense to me, I don't proceed. So I can never go down that path. But I remember being mystified by that one because I think I saw 19% or something crazy. Yeah. I was like, wow. And I, I have to tell you that I put money in UST, but I said, this is way too good to be true. So I got a uh, an insurance, which was a possi- possibility at that moment. Uh, deep pegging insurance. And huh. I was, I'm one of the very few people that got my money back because oh, wow. I had an insurance. And, but like who, like if you start, if you know a tiny bit about, like if you're a little bit, uh, I don't know, critical 
Yeah. How can somebody be? It's a Ponzi scheme. These are these are Ponzi schemes. And how are people like doing this? Um, so but with Celsius, like I used to go to the AMAs of Alex Mashinsky, who was the, the head, and he would like he would be so convincing. Your Bitcoin is safe. We have it oh, like everybody's Bitcoin is here, etc. Nothing is going to happen with the exchange, with the with the, the big like with your properties. It's much safer with us than with you, etc. And then all assets got frozen, including mine. And it was because he took our Bitcoin and went and did risky trades. And when the market was going up, great. But then when the market crashed, they had no nothing to to back. At time, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Throughout history, humans, it's like you know, this has been done in real in the real estate world. This is a, a story that's been repeated over and over and over again. So it's not something really new. It was just new to this space. Yeah, correct, yeah. correct, exactly. So it's been it's been saga. Like it's been. Uh, I still don't have my assets. So they went on into bankruptcy, and then they Got formed it. a new mining company. So they're giving us shares of the new company but they're giving us like i don't know 50 cents on the dollar and they're valuing the bitcoin on as as the value it was on the day that they went bankrupt so it was like nineteen thousand dollars. so if i had let's say very lucky one bitcoin then they would only give me a certain percentage of those nineteen thousand dollars so it's not even a percentage of what Bitcoin is worth today. Uh -uh. It's percentage of what Bitcoin was worth then. So you lose, like you lose in every direction. Um, but it's at least one of the few cases that got resolved and we're getting at least a little bit of money back yeah. because there's other, sure. other like FTX. I don't know if anybody's seeing their money or um, there's so many other platforms. As soon as that happened, I'm like, no more. Mm -hmm. uh, I learned my lesson. It's it's interesting because so, you had the family story with the farm and that property through your father and your family, then the Celsius story. So it's just ingrained in you now to hold, you know, own things directly. If you have a good property, own the property under your own control and even introduce multi-signature like you've been discussing to really safeguard it. Okay, so then I'm curious, from what you're seeing, you, you kind of referred to the Lightning Network really briefly. So, like, do you really think in Colombia at some point you can see people over the next 10, 20 years, like, using, like, the Lightning Network or digital money in a country like Colombia to help them in their economy? Like, you see that coming to fruition? And, 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 yeah, yeah. Because right now they use American, they're using American dollars in Colombia? No. no. They what, have pesos, Colombian pesos. Oh, there are Colombian pesos. Another, okay. Which is another benefit that they could have, not just using the Lightning Network, but by uh, storing stable coins, for example, they mm -hmm. could they could de-risk the inflation. There was a 10% inflation last year, about, I'm not 100% I'm not sure. And the GDP, the growth in the country was like 1% or something yeah, like that. Yeah, got it. Okay. And, and there's a socialist uh, president who is very likely going to start taking assets away from uh, 
people. So there's there's so much risks, but I'm going back to people in their uses, in like the people where I where I started mm-hmm. thinking about. Uh, absolutely, everybody has a cell phone. Even the poorest, poorest human mm-hmm. being has a cell phone. So just, and they're starting to use Bitcoin in Colombia. It's very logical that an electric bill company is going to allow people to pay through the Lightning Network mm-hmm. instead of, in, because all really the Bitcoin is just the the network itself. It's just the way of, exchanging the coins, but they can buy, they can have Colombian pesos, use the Lightning Network as a tool, and the company would get Colombian pesos. So there, it's like a no-brainer. Um, and this has been this has been implemented in other countries. In Africa, it's been implemented um, in, in, in countries and continents. But Argentina, people are starting to then store uh, either Bitcoin or even USD uh, stable coins to hedge their inflation. So it could give people so much more possibility. Uh-huh. Yeah, and... I can see. I, I don't know if you know Maurizio, who runs Ledin out of Toronto. He's from Venezuela. He runs a company called Ledin out of Toronto, and they do a lot of stuff with people in Colombia. He said using stable coins. Um, he said his, his, their bigger user base is South Americans because they're trying to just protect their purchasing power, and. Right. I think what a lot of people don't understand still about Bitcoin is there's two aspects to it. There's the asset component that we've been talking about, but but you've also been alluding to the network itself. And so Bitcoin is a network or a protocol and an asset. And it's this protocol that's really interesting to me because in your example, you said, yeah, you can use your Colombian pesos and use the Lightning Network or the which is part of the, you know, using the Bitcoin network to then pay a utility company. And that's kind of the really interesting thing. It's like what most people don't understand is that there's a second financial network being built out that's in direct competition to the existing toll booth network that we were talking about, this whole banking system. And once this protocol evolves, it seems to me that any time I've seen an open network, you know, I remember working in the database um, industry at Oracle, and then there was like, an open source database called MySQL. And it was scaring the shit out of out of Oracle because it was like, oh my gosh, there's this like open source database that people are using and it's free and you know it's kind of sort of just as good. And it was putting panic. And the same thing happened with Linux when people were using Unix and they were buying Unix from either IBM or Sun Solaris. And then there was this Linux version, which was like an open source version. So you had this database that was open source that was freaking out the old the old school people. Then it was Linux. And then in um, in uh, if you look at the BlackBerry, the BlackBerry was a closed network. And then the mm-hmm. iPhone came out that just used TCP IP, which was the open network. So there's all these examples throughout very recent history to me that would, sh- and that's kind of why I get so excited about Bitcoin. I'm like, okay, like the asset is really interesting, but it's the network side of it that is going to blow people's socks off and they don't quite realize it yet. And it's not, not just because of the network. Think of like, for example, the merchants. I'm talking about the clients are going to benefit tremendously. But merchants yeah. are going to benefit as well with they won't have to pay a 3% on every transaction to the banks, to the intermediaries. So in general, costs could be driven down 
with uh, an implementation of the Lightning Network. Like if a government is smart and really, really wants their population to have a better life, then it's like it, there's it's a no-brainer. Like there's no need for banks. There's no need for centralization. Uh, How dare you? So, How dare you say that? <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Yeah, and you're right. If a business is operating at a 10% margin and you can save 3% on fees, that's like a 30% increase to your bottom line. So like when people hear that these fees are small fees and who really cares? Well, to a business that like, I know some people who operate some construction companies in the last year and a half has been really tight. They're either losing money or they're operating at like 2%. And uh, I guess a construction company isn't doing a lot of visa transactions. A restaurant's a better example but if you're using you're operating at thin margins a three percent increase because of the fees that you're saving on by not paying them is huge to your bottom line so yeah you're right to the merchants it's it's, it's beneficial to the consumer and it's beneficial to the merchants why is Colombia? i'm just i'm going to keep you just for a few more minutes Dolly. why is Colombia? um the socialist, how did somebody uh, with the socialist views get into power in Colombia? Is it the classic case of they just promised people a lot of stuff so everybody votes for them? Uh, you got it. You just yeah. defined yeah. it. It's exactly that. He. It, it's actually a very sad story because um, he actually used to be in uh, one of the, like, the leader of one of the guerrilla groups in Colombia. I don't know if guerrilla, you say guerrilla in in Spanish, like the yeah, yeah, no, I think we've all watched enough TV, Netflix shows about Colombia that we all know what they are. <laughs> so he he really was like a very violent human being, and wow. how he like kidnapped and he. Besides many other things, I don't want to speak to, but sure. eventually the government made a, a treaty with that guerrilla group, and they were pardoned, and then he became the presidential candidate and managed to convince like the the oh, population wow. that he was going to give them everything like he's promising healthcare food everything and it's been a disaster because there's much more centralization and there's much more printing of money and there's like it's like he's he's getting rid he really is getting rid of the local like international investment is no longer coming to Colombia. Um, so, and so there's less jobs. Uh, like everything has gone wrong and it's because he just promised every, everybody thought it was perfect. It was, there were going to live like an amazing life. It's weird where we are because I could almost like I'm I'm worried about Canada's path because I'm like, Oh my gosh. And the next election, which is 2025, ours will likely be in a year. If the existing government here starts promising everybody UBI, which I think could be on the table, I'm like, oh my gosh, everybody's going to vote for it. And uh, mm -hmm. I just, it, it's almost like things have to get so bad and so close to like almost pure out communism that it takes almost that for people to like kind of wake up. And it's, it's tough because if you're going to make a change now, there's some suffering involved. So it's really hard politically to get up there and say, listen, everything's going to be great, but it's going to be great in about three to five years, maybe seven, you know? So right now in the next three years, everything's going to be horrible. There's going to be less money. We have to save money and there's going to be less money for all these things. Um, so vote for me. 
you know, it's kind of like, no, but yeah, you're right. You know, you're like right. it's so it's, it's you're, we're just on this path where you can see it, and you're like, oh no, like you know, it's it's hard to turn it around. So that's unfortunate that Colombia is going down that uh, that route. I, I I wish the best and, for them. And the the only semi positive thing is that people have started realizing that he was just fluff. So there's so many protests, and I oh really? Okay, got it. Election. Like people, everybody that voted for him is now going against him. It does. It just yeah, yeah. Those promises just don't happen. Like no. that's too good to be true. Like the UST and the Celsius, and there's things that are way too good to be true. And yeah. unfortunately, like maybe the uh, only way to get elected with good intentions is to basically, for everyone's own good, just tell them they're going to get everything. Then when you get in power, you have to trick them and say. Oh my gosh, I'm actually going to cut everything and we're going to save money and I'm in power now. So like we need somebody to do the reverse trick, you know, instead of instead of like promising everything and then getting in power and not being able to fulfill, promising everything, getting into power, not being able to fulfill, but correcting course, correcting the course, you know, maybe that's the only way that this is going to happen, you know, and they have to have a thick skin because everyone's going to hate them uh, as they do that. But uh, you're right. Ali, uh, yeah, you're right. yeah, it's it's tough. But uh, so okay. So if, if with what you're doing now, if someone wanted to reach out to you, like uh, how, do people email you? Do they go to a website? How how would someone reach out to you? And start engaging so, uh, with you. Uh, sure. So I there's an email, a very easy email, Dalia at the bitcoinadvisor.com. That can that works. Uh, probably the easiest way or. I strongly really said, I'm really not selling this, but if they want to start learning, like just go to Looking Glass. They don't have to look for me. They don't have to do anything. Just go to Looking Glass, take their courses. They're phenomenal. Or go to the Bitcoin Advisor because there's so many amazing articles about the benefits of collaborative custody. So it really isn't about me. Like I, um, yeah, yeah, I just, it is. But we need people like you in this space who it's not about you, but are willing to help. So you're being so humble, but it, it, it's really, it's really cool. So if anyone listening to this wants to reach out to Dahlia, it's Dahlia, D-A-L-I-A, correct? D-A-L-I-A at thebitcoinadvisor.com. So Dolly at the Bitcoin Advisor or Looking Glass Education. If you just Google up Looking Glass Education, you'll find that resource as well. And uh, Dahlia, it's it's really cool for me. Like this is a really meaningful thing to me that Bitcoin exists just partly because of what my family and, you know, and, and hearing your story, we all have these family stories. And uh, to, to me, Bitcoin can solve a lot of problems. And to know that there's a great people like you out there contributing to this, it's very meaningful for me. So thanks for taking the time to share this um, on this podcast. You don't know us too well. We'll have to blame Greg uh, for, for setting this up, but I'm very no. thankful. So it's great crossing paths. Please know that you have friends up here in Toronto. If you're, I don't know why you would become from Miami. And then I don't know why you'd be coming up to Toronto. But if you ever do, uh, you have friends up here. And uh, yeah, that's please so keep- sweet. Yeah, yeah. Please no. keep doing. Thank what you're you so doing. much for even giving me the opportunity. Like I, I I'm, I'm not no one, and you contacted me and tried a couple times because we couldn't make it happen. So thank you, yeah. thank you for insisting yeah. and for giving me that opportunity. And I, and I'd love to learn more about you and your your whole journey. We're a funny business. We're a fu- yeah, yeah. And we're a funny business up here. That's a long story, Dolly. I will, one day, one yeah. day, maybe we'll share a, a meal or a drink somewhere and I'll share the story with you. But uh, thank you for All this. Right. Thank you.
Hey everyone, hopefully you enjoyed that chat with Dahlia. If you want to reach out to her, you can use her email, which is D-A-L-I-A, that's D-A-L-I-A at thebitcoinadvisor.com. And if you want to dive into the world of real estate investing and check out what we're doing with the membership at Rockstar Inner Circle, you can visit rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash member to see all the details of what we're doing here with that membership and real estate investors all around the Golden Horseshoe. That's it for this episode. Until next time, your life your terms.